everybody, and welcome to another brand new episode of T Watches a Scary Movie. I'm T, and of course, we're talking scary movies. I appreciate you tuning in for another brand new episode. Remember, you can always watch new episodes, 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, the video version on the YouTube page, which is youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. Again, that's youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. And the audio-only version goes up on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Just got to search T Watches a Scary Movie. So... What are we talking about here tonight? Uh, I had originally had the movies uh, movie because I got to kind of split this up because I got so much to talk about there. But um, I originally had uh, these movies on the list months and months and months and months back. And then there was just a bevy of new releases of horror movies coming out uh, over this summer and over this fall to where I had to keep pushing them back in order to fit all these new movies in. And now that things are kind of slowed down a little bit and I'm trying to like give myself a little bit of a break here before uh, we start taking care of some more new stuff and start looking into like holiday horror again and everything, I decided that uh, it was time to uh, put this back on the schedule. So tonight, we are definitely going to be talking about uh, episode 6 of season 2 of Chucky. He is risen indeed. Uh, and then we're also going to be talking about Joel Schumacher's The Number 20. Three, Yeah, uh, you might have heard about this movie back in 2007. One of Jim Carrey's last starring roles here from the director of my favorite Batman movie, Batman Forever. So that is what we're going to be talking about here tonight. And we're going to dive right into things with Chucky. So... You might remember last week when we were talking about episode 5, Doll on Doll, the episode ended with uh, things strained between uh, uh, between um, Jake, Devin, and Lexi, uh, and kind of Nadine in there as well too, to where Jake was really, really getting attached to the good Chucky who had been deprogrammed from all of his murderous ways by the group of kids, and became this good Chucky who was kind of fighting with them and helped protect them against uh, Hope Chucky who tried to kill them all at one point and killed uh, Trevor at the school as well, too. And uh, the episode kind of ended on a sour note because Nadine and Jake went and baptized Chucky, hopefully, get, uh, hopefully giving him a brand new start. Whereas uh, Lexi and Devin decided to follow the clues on Good Chucky's phone and found out where the colonel was staying at, which was this cabin in the woods nearby the school. And they found out that Dr. Mixter is actually involved with uh, the colonel and that they had Andy alive and captive as well, too. Uh, so... A lot was left from that last episode that brought up a lot of questions. And man, oh man, did we start getting some answers here in He Is Risen Indeed. So first we got to see what happened pretty much right after Andy drove that truck off the side of the cliff there uh, at the end of, or I guess at the beginning of season two here with all the Chuckies inside and the Tiffany doll he had just shot. And we found out that uh, numerous uh, numerous of the Chucky dolls ended up surviving, including the one that's called the Colonel, and they drug uh, Andy, who survived the crash and was unconscious, back to this cabin. And we find out that through some other way, uh, the Colonel started working with Dr. Mixter, who was Charles, Lee's, Charles Lee Ray's childhood psychiatrist. So we didn't get more explanation about that, honestly. You know, later in the episode, Dr. Mixter talks about how she had helped snuff out like those uh, childhood uh, qualities that like Charles still had or Charlie still had when uh, when he was still a child and everything. But 
There's no really explanation for why she's suddenly murderous, whether it's fascination with Chucky or what exactly did it, the reason why she's teaming up with him. But we find out that they've been keeping Andy, uh, Andy captive for a year at this point. Now, it's been a while they've had Andy captive, and the colonel has been eating Andy, cutting pieces out of his leg, burning it or uh, cooking it up, and then eating it. So this Chucky is a cannibal, which is kind of consistent with what we've seen over this show because like, it has definitely implied that... Uh, maybe not all of them, but at least some of these Chuckies do have cannibalistic tendencies. But we also get a little bit more info on the Colonel, who is in total Marlon Brando, uh, Marlon Brando mode here. Uh, and there's some, there's an homage, obviously, to a very, very famous war movie that you might be familiar with. Uh, but it's absolutely hilarious. Brad Dourif is working his ass off with so many different Chuckies this season. And we even get an amazing, amazing death scene later. Spoilers! what we're talking spoilers already of the colonel where it's totally just helicopter flashbacks and the horror the horror the horror and it's so fucking good chucky is amazing this is like the best the best follow-up to any legacy like it's the best legacy sequel that is out there bar none my lord these folks are killing it out there uh and leslie libman who uh directed not just last week's doll and doll episode uh but also directed this episode that we're talking he and risen uh he is risen indeed has been given such this big task of uh like some of the biggest moments of this season so Devin and Lexi end up freeing Andy, uh, and they take him back to the school. You know, Andy obviously is traumatized, and it's really interesting because, you know, over the course of the first three Child's Play movies, and then between, like, Curse and Cole to Chucky, and season one of this, Andy really has gotten off, like, scot-free, and I don't mean that in a negative way at all. Andy's kind of the one that never really had to suffer, uh, suffer too, too much, and I say that knowing that Andy's had the psychological damage that a lot of the other protagonists in the Chucky series will never, ever truly know. They'll never face the same things that Andy had to, with Jake probably being the closest to that, or I guess all of these kids, but even then, Andy got tormented over and over and over and over and over, and I think it goes to say that he might be a little bit more tormented because we don't know the state uh the shape of karen and mike right now and hopefully that's something that gets brought back either in the last two episodes here or even in the next season but andy has been through so much like psychological and mental trauma that he's been really abstained from any kind of physical issues popping up with the exception of a knife in his leg and cult of chucky and so it's interesting and probably a little uh a, a, a little breathe easy for a lot of us to see that Andy finally is taking a little bit of punishment from Chucky after decades of kind of skating by without it and everybody else unfortunately suffering a bit there now Devin and Lexi bring Andy back to uh, back to the school, and Father Bryce is just fed up at this point with everything. Uh, he's ready to get rid of these kids. He's tired of the rest of the kids on the school ground as well, too. He's tired of the of the nuns that are there, and decides everybody is going on lockdown. And of course, Doctor Mixter and the Colonel show up to uh, kind of help Father Bryce out, with Father Bryce not truly understanding what's going on. And this is when the colonel's deciding to play out his ultimate revenge of killing all these kids. And it leads to some very, very tense scenes here to where Dr. Mixter is talking to uh, talking like to the kids and basically being upfront about how they're all going to die. And there's not really that much they can do because they can't really accuse their psychiatrist who could easily 
can't send them off to prison at that point and they'd be in a much worse situation more than likely than where they are right now so the kids decide that they have to come up with a game plan in order to kill chucky for all because the thing that always happens is that they always get isolated that's the way it works in horror movies you get isolated and that's how your killer ends up winning and the kids decide you know what if we team up if we make Chucky or the Colonel come to us, we can actually put up a good fight. And they decide that that's what they're going to do. That the kids end up deciding they're going to wait for Chucky to show up. And then they don't even get a chance because guess what? When the Colonel does show up to kill the kids, he's killed rather immediately, so we think, by Andy. Andy gets that death blow in like that and it's already done. But... And he also points something out to the kids there that Devin and Lexi have been trying to point out to Jake and Nadine uh, for the last few episodes as well, too, that a Chucky is a Chucky and that there's nothing good that can come out of it. And good Chucky hearing Andy, and if you remember when the deprogramming happened, that was kind of the, one of the first things that was coming out there was that good Chucky was kind of um, was kind of bringing all these old memories of Andy back. And so it stands to say that, well, maybe Andy is a trigger for Chucky because it's so embedded. This was like Chucky's first nemesis as a doll. And good Chucky takes off. Now, from there, Dr. Mixter reveals her hand as she shows that she's in on the play at this point. Father Bryce is now aware that something's going on here that he can't really explain as he sees good Chucky calling out for help from him. And a fight ensues at this point to where uh, Andy gets knocked out by Dr. Mixter. And then attempting to follow good Chucky, Nadine goes up to the top of the school to try to figure out what's going on. And good Chucky breaks some of that deprogramming and pushes Nadine out the top of the school to her untimely death. Now, this is crazy. It's crazy, crazy to think about because we kind of were worried uh, since the deprogramming happened that at some point, um, at some point, old Chucky had to come back out. This wasn't permanent. There's no way. Good Chucky is fantastic, but something was going to have to break at a certain point, and we do see that good Chucky's programming broke and resorted back to his old way. So what does that mean? What does that mean moving forward? Because can Jake really still afford to keep good Chucky around? Doesn't matter that he reverted back to good Chucky after killing Nadine. Can Jake afford and explain to his friends and to Andy the reason a good reason why good chucky should stay around we don't know um i have a feeling this is gonna blow up tremendously in jake's face because you have to remember chucky prime which was our other story this uh this episode because we are following along with kyle nika and glinda who are headed towards the school and kyle wanted to actually talk to chucky because remember the chucky that's in nika that is chucky prime as it's being called that's the first chucky that's charles lee ray that's the one all these other ones are like split off from his soul but the one in nika that is chucky prime right there and we don't know how anybody's feeling about anything we know that the moment that kyle got a chance to talk to chucky immediately chucky wanted kyle dead and chucky was taunting the fact that andy was likely dead as well too so there is no love loss there regardless of what's happening at the school right now and chucky even tried to get glinda to kill kyle at that point which i'm sure is gonna come up at a certain point as well too because you got to remember 
Glenn and Glenda have learned so much more about themselves now. They know about the doll. They know that they're the split part of their personality and that it might be a case where they need to get back together and that body from Seed of Chucky. We don't know. And I kind of think that that might be the twist because we're watching Glenn and Glenda this entire time. And I, it's not lost on me that Chucky as a kid is when he started to make those decisions to be evil and, you know, killing his mom, watching his dad get killed. That's not lost on me at all. So I am definitely afraid that the way this season is going to end is with the death of Kyle and or Andy uh, at the hands of Glenn and Glinda. I have a sinking suspicion that might be where we're going. And don't forget that Tiffany Valentine, uh, Tiffany Valentine, Glenn, and Jennifer Tilly in the doll body of Tiffany are all in hot pursuit as well, too. So we are revving up for a showdown at this point. Um, and looking at uh, the next episode, episode seven, going to the chapel, it looks like they're going to try an exorcism on good Chucky with more than likely some mixed results coming out of that. Uh, I don't know, y'all. I don't know. This has me in suspense because no offense at all to season one, which I thought was absolutely fantastic, but we have now a bigger investment in these characters than we did in season one. And I don't think everybody's walking away unscathed. Like, hell, I think a lot of us probably assumed that Nadine had some in on things that were going on or that we find out a tremendous dark secret about Nadine beyond the fact that, you know, she had a parent who had, the, you know, the drug addiction. Um, I thought maybe we might find out that Nadine herself was a little bit of a murderer as well, too. So I don't know. But Chucky continues to kick ass oh my god the writing on it is so good alex delisle and kim garland uh wrote uh wrote this episode of he is risen they've also they also wrote um uh the other episode there uh death on denial the you know kind of standalone episode for jennifer tilly's uh tiffany at the murder mystery party which is just a highlight of this season um and uh, you know alex delisle does come back to write the next two episodes or, I'm sorry, uh, come back to write the final episode of the season, Chucky Actually, along with Mallory Westfall and Don Mancini. So, we're gearing up for something good there. We're definitely gearing up for something good. So, tune in. A new episode of Chucky. Uh, if you're watching this on a Wednesday, that means it's on tonight. Go into the chapel. Make sure to check that out, y'all. So, that moves us to our second review of the night. The number 23. Now, uh, I caught this while I was working at blockbuster at the time um because back at blockbuster we got a chance to have all these free rentals every single week i remember uh we got the number 23 the week four was actually released out on video i don't remember much of seeing the trailers of this in theater but this was still at the time to where uh jim carrey projects and no offense to jim carrey in the least bit because i think jim carrey's fantastic i've enjoyed quite a bit of his work ever since he stopped being you know one of those top like hollywood driving forces there um i still enjoy a lot of jim carrey's later work honestly and i know his career at this point is he's pretty much in retirement like he he said openly that the sonic films are pretty much the only thing that he's really doing um but i remember seeing this and being very very much intrigued because one jim carrey's fantastic and it's not a traditional comedy movie you know it's a more serious film and jim carrey absolutely kills it whenever he's doing serious he kills it in anything but he kills it whenever he gets a chance to take on like a non-comedic role but in the fact that 
Joel Schumacher was involved in this as well too because Joel Schumacher is one of my hands down favorite directors you know Lost Boys uh, Time to Kill um, uh, Batman Forever as I said so there's a lot of good things and good elements in this film that made me very interested in seeing it and Jim Carrey plays a character named Walter Sparrow, who's an animal control officer. He's got a great family. He's got a wife, Agatha, played by Virginia Madsen. Uh, Madsen, excuse me. He's got a great son, uh, Robin, played by Logan Lerman. You might know that character. Um, but something's going on in his life. And a book that his wife, Agatha, reads called The Number 23, written by an author named Topsy Kretz, is passed along to him. And... As Walter begins to read this book, he starts realizing there's a number of similarities between himself and the main character, uh, a detective who refers to himself as Fingerling. And as he continues reading through this story, um, one of the biggest plot devices of this story is an obsession with the number 23. That all these characters in this book um, are finding connections to the number 23 in anything. In names, in colors, in their jobs, in their lives, in their romances. And... It's a driving obsession that involves quite a lot of depth, quite a lot of sex, and a lot of mystery and intrigue and obsession as well, too. And as Walter continues to read this, he himself takes on that obsession of the number 23 and starts seeing more and more similarities in his life and starts having questions popping up that he doesn't have the answers for. And it's a very unique story, you know, because... Number one, while it is a, it's a thriller for sure, you know, um, and I know some of you who have seen this or who are going to check this out here are probably going to say this is not a horror movie, but I would argue against that, honestly, just because the mere obsession, the mere, uh, the, the way that obsession is treated in this film with Walter and the number 23, and we see the way that affects all these other characters, even like his son, as his son, uh, you know, starts to jump into this mystery the way his father is, the obsession itself is, it, it, it's truly frightening because these are things to where you could find it any way, that, any way that you wanted to. And it's pointed out to Walter and other characters numerous times throughout this film that if you're looking for it, you will find it in anything that you want to. You'll always find a way to explain that there's a 23 and everything. And, you know, we get to see Jim Carrey play maybe that typical role, role as the meek, uh, meek kind of guy who's going through something larger than himself. But then he also plays the detective Fingerling because we see the story that he's reading play out as well, too. And Fingerling is like this completely different person compared to the way that Walter is. And as more and more of the layers of these secrets get pulled back, I found myself getting more intrigued by this story again. You know, I had tried to re-watch this film actually numerous times over the last 10 years or so. This movie was released in uh, February 23rd of 2007. So, you know, it's 15 years old at this point. It's over 15 years old. And... I think that um, a number of times when I tried to rewatch it, it didn't really click with me that much when I tried to do it again, like something was missing from it. But in rewatching it recently, because I told myself I, I had to just dedicate a viewing to it at this point, I realized why I really enjoyed it. Because you so earnestly want Jim Carrey's character, Walter, to get this resolution in the film as he becomes just more and more obsessed with not just 23 but getting answers about what's going on with fingerling and all these secrets that parallel his own life you really want walter to get to the bottom of this mystery like you want him to succeed and every time that another layer gets pulled back another wall gets put up and it's frustrating and you can feel that frustration as you're watching it but not only that um 
I did find myself actually looking around and it's kind of interesting uh because movie like movies always should have a great effect on you i feel when you're when you're diving into them but i found myself looking around as i was watching the movie trying to build those 23s myself and things around my house and i did find it in a few places which was really really creepy but i was like cool that's coincidence because i can make that happen that's kind of literally the point is that if I want to see a 23, I'm going to see the 23. It's going to be right there presented in front of me. So I love that that movie was able to recaptivate me like that. And I found things that absolutely were freaking me out as I was watching it again for sure. Um, that said, it's not going to be for everybody. There's there I do feel that the mystery adds a lot of meat to this tale. And it's something that you can definitely chew on. Something you can definitely sit back and try to work out the mystery yourself. And you likely will. More than halfway through, you're going to figure out where the twist is ultimately going in this story for sure. Um, and it's a dark movie. It's definitely a dark movie and deals with a lot of tones that you might not expect from a Jim Carrey film. Uh, and I think that's kind of what's best about it is that Jim Carrey gets to play against type here and do something different than what we might have expected him and a lot of the roles that you're seeing. Even now in the roles that you're seeing like Robotnik and, uh, and, and, um, and Sonic the Hedgehog 1 and 2, honestly. I think that this actually is kind of one of Jim Carrey's stronger roles. And I say that knowing that, you know, the mecca for me is always going to be The Truman Show. The Truman Show is absolutely fantastic. He's absolutely fantastic in it. And, you know, the other Jim Carrey movie that I'm going to be looking at real soon, The Cable Guy, another favorite of mine, is uh, it's the typical Jim Carrey role, but it's in a darker film than it used to, used to be. And this is the non-traditional Jim Carrey role in a dark film. And so it gets the type that you're used to seeing that I can understand why that might be off-putting to a lot of people. Um, but that being said, if you can open your, open your mind up a little bit to seeing Jim Carrey just do something completely different, I think there's quite a lot to enjoy about this. So if you get a chance, go and check out the number 23. Hey everybody, I appreciate you checking out this video, whether it was a review, whether it was a new episode, whether it was an unboxing, an interview, or whatever else. I want to remind you, you can check out my separate reviews also on my YouTube page, and new full episodes go up every Wednesday night on YouTube at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, and on your favorite podcasting platforms at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button, like, and share. My name is T. We've been talking scary movies. Stay scared. Thank <laughs> you.